Well, first of all, the most dramatic thing that Lincoln does, and it's the most, I think, the single most dramatic thing, change in, in appearance that any president um, ha has ever done, either in office or between the time he's elected and then taking the office, is that Lincoln, between the election in November and the inauguration in March, grew a beard. Um, that this was, um, you know, unexpected. Um, Lincoln was, you know, was was always disparaging about his looks. Um, and there's the famous episode where a little girl in Pennsylvania wrote him a letter and a note, and Lincoln um, was actually good enough to keep the note in it and to reply to her, where she's, she said to him effectively, well, sir, since you are so homely, have you ever thought of growing a beard? Because that way the ladies would like you more. And Lincoln wrote her back a charming letter saying, um, well, um, you know, f first of all, that, 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 that that this would evidence, if he grew a beard, it would evidence that he was concerned about his look and it would be a mark of vanity, um, which, um, which, which he didn't really want to take on. And also he was, he was afraid of the effect it might have on Mrs. Lincoln that he was suddenly appealing to the ladies. So there's this humorous letter um, in which Lincoln um, takes the child, takes the little girl very seriously um, and, and, and corresponds with her as if she was an adult um, on the nature of vanity. But, the, but interestingly enough, and whether it was a trigger or not, he did grow a beard that, in, during that period. But I think there's some notion here um, that I've gotten from people like yourself who are students of, of legends and myths um, that, that Lincoln was going to war, that he was, that, that that he was putting on a, a kind of wild look. He was letting himself um, grow his hair out, grow his beard out as a sign of sort of aggression, a sign of sort of masculinity, a sign of sort of testosterone-driven male behavior, and that he was um, conscious, subconsciously evidencing what he thought would be the impending crisis which would lead irrevocably to war. The other thing about it is, because I'm interested in biography and portraiture, is that he's signaling a real gap between peacetime and war, that he is dramatically changing his look, as I said, in a way that no other president has ever done, um, is a way of demarcating peace from war, that there is now, he is putting aside, in Paul's words, childish things and going to, to, to battle, and effectively battle politically, battle ultimately militarily, and that the beard becomes a symbol of that, that there is um, an entirely changed atmosphere, um, that the passivity of the Buchanan administration will, will recede into history. And we see his generals, men around him, they all have beards. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's amusing for somebody who's been working in the last several months on masculinity and, and identity and, and, and sexuality that it's only in the 20th century that, that short hair becomes masculine. It's after World War II with the introduction of the crew cut in which the mass military, the, uh, people like my father who served in the Marine Corps had a buzz cut and that became male. You had short hair and you were masculine. Well, in the 19th century, you had long hair and you were masculine. There was no notion that Jeb Stewart or, or um, you know, uh, William Tecumseh Sherman or others who had beards and longish hair um, were, were effeminate in any kind of way, certainly not. These were manly men who wanted to go out to battle and were girding themselves to do just that. Custer, of course, famous for his long hair his, his, and, and his vanity about his locks, and Stewart, the, the, the great sort of cavalier of the South. And, and the idea was that long hair connected you with a kind of romantic tradition of, of Arthur, the Arthurian knights um, and, and, and certainly um, 
the kind of flamboyant individuality which was permissible in the 19th century, but in the mechanized warfare of World War II would be stamped out. I mean, if you think, um, you know, it's, it's again one of the highlights for me of the 1950s and 60s was the, the way in which long hair suddenly becomes subversive or um, uh, effeminate, and, but in fact, in the course of American history, most of our heroes have had in very long hair. It was something of a hearkening back to the days of old when all of a sudden men with long hair are outside marching for peace. Exactly. Thank you very much for your time this morning. We're very grateful to you.